Welcome to Ridgewood Talks. Through this podcast, we will be introducing you to some of the leaders and legends in our village. We'll keep you updated about fascinating local events, and we'll dig into the town's hot topics and so much more. But first, let me introduce myself. I'm Jeannie Johnson, the founder of Ridgewood Talks and Ridgewood Walks. The goal of these initiatives is to create a kinder, more connected, and more vibrant community. I'm thrilled to be co-hosting this podcast with my good friend and all-around wonderful guy, Jordan Kaufman. We look forward to meeting with you weekly and hearing your thoughts on who and what you'd like to learn about in our beautiful hometown. Enjoy this episode. Hey guys, here we are again, another episode of Ridgewood Talks, where we do all the leaders and legends of our village. And today we are so lucky because we have a leader and a legend, right, Jordan? Oh, for sure. So um, we have Kristen Plumley on, and uh, she is a musician extraordinaire. We are very lucky. Our kids are very lucky to have someone with her talent and her heart and uh, really just her community mindset uh, living no in our town, in the downtown area. So, uh, you know, Kristen, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I, I feel like I don't need to say anything. You guys can just keep saying these really nice things and I'll just <gasps> uh, I'll sit back and let you. <laughs> I am so glad because I prepared a whole intro for you. So I'm not going to waste that. I'm going to say it now. Kristen Plumley is a classically trained vocalist, better known as the Shimmering Soprano. That is according to the New York Times. Kristen has performed with countless opera companies throughout the United States and Canada, including the prestigious New York City Opera. She is a self-described diva, the good kind. She's a mom, a nature lover, a cat owner, and a fan of random funny things. Ms. Plumley is also very active in philanthropic missions here in the village. She sits on the board of trustees for the Women's Club of Ridgewood, the Ridgewood Arts Foundation, and is the president of the Ridgewood Friends of Music. And as if that isn't enough, she also coordinates the Society Cafe Concert Series at the Unitarian Society, the Summer's Sunday in the Park Concert Series in Van Ness Square. She teaches the Joy of Singing class through the Ridgewood Community School and... Dun, da, dun. she's learning how to play the tuba. God love her. Uh, Kristen. Um, by the way, I'm, I'm also a member of the College Club of Northern New Jersey. Okay, good. Throw that one in there, that too. On there too. Thank you. Well, you know what? So Kristen accomplishes all of this and more with the steadfast support of her outstanding husband, Jeff, and her 18-year-old twins, Annie and Henry. So once again, welcome aboard, my friend. We have wanted to have you on this show for, oh my gosh, well, since it began. So I'm glad we finally made it happen. Thank you. Yes, I am here. Before we get too far into the discussion, that was a great intro, Jeannie. But Kristen, you've got some events coming up. And we want to make sure that our listeners know about those events before we get into the, uh, the meat and potatoes here. So can you tell us about what you got coming up on December 7th and December Yes. So it's a jam-packed couple of days. December 7th, Thursday, I will be performing my annual holiday concert at the Women's Club of Ridgewood. The club, by the way, has been newly 
refurbished, renovated. It's beautiful. So this is one of the first shows to be taking place at the women's club. So I hope everybody comes and, and sees how bright and fancy we are. So uh, it is a concert of holiday music, uh, both Christmas, Hanukkah, just regular seasonal stuff. Um, takes place on Thursday, the 7th. Now we have two shows this year, new this year, because people, some people have said, well, I want to come see your lunchtime concert, but I work during the day. I can't come. So we listened to the people and we added a cocktail hour show. So the first show is, um, it's noon lunch, a catered lunch and a 1245 concert. It will go until 1.30. And then the cocktail hour concert, um, it's a cocktail half hour from 5.30 to 6. And then the concert is uh, 6 o'clock to 6.45. So it's short and sweet. We get you in and out because we know everybody has things to do this year. But it's a great way to kind of ring in the season and mix and mingle with your friends and have some good food and drink and whatnot. And I just want to... Uh, promote my people who are uh, providing the food. Um, Dave Ciccolella of Yait will be uh, cooking us lunch. And Charlotte uh, Villamos of Charlie Fi is providing dessert. She will also provide nibbles at the cocktail hour event. And yeah, we'll, we'll have, you know, cocktails. I think we're going to have a signature diva holiday time cocktail, which I have to come up with something. But uh, yeah, that that is the deal. So and then on Friday, I will be singing with the New, New Jersey Wind Symphony. I've sung with before and they are marvelous, terrific musicians. So they're performing their December concert and every year they divide it into two parts. The first half is a regular concert and I will be singing on that part. I'm not singing holiday music actually. It's uh, some old standards, some good stuff. Then the second half of the concert is called Tuba Christmas. And this idea is nationwide. Uh, sometime in the early 70s, this idea was born, and the first tuba Christmas took place, I believe, in um, near Radio City, and it brought about, I don't know if it's hundreds or a couple thousand tuba and low brass players. Uh, the idea behind it was, wouldn't it be fun to get a bunch of, of tuba players together to play Christmas carols? <laughs> and it took place, and people came from all over the region and played Christmas carols, and it's taken off. And like I said, there are chapters all over the country. Uh, so now Ridgewood has one as well. Uh, we have not been around since the early 70s. I think it's sometime in the earlier 2000s. But anyway, uh, they've invited tuba and low brass players. So that's tuba, euphonium, uh, trombone, maybe some French horns in there. And we get together and we play through the book. There's a, you know, the standard book of Christmas carols and it's all low brass. And it is funny and fun and people in the audience sing along and uh, some of the brass players dress up their instruments. So you might have a big bow, you know, on a trombone or like lights around your tuba. And it's, it is as funny and fun as it sounds. So, uh, and I, yes, I'll be taking part in both parts of that concert because I do play tuba. So crazy. It's going to be a busy few days, but lots of fun. Oh my God. That sounds like a blast now. That concert on Friday, you said that is going to be from what time to what time? Okay, the concert on Friday will take place at Westside Presbyterian Church, and it starts at 8 o'clock. That is such a great venue. I'm telling oh, you, yes. if you listeners, if you have not been to a concert at Westside Presbyterian Church, there is no better venue, honestly, in the area, including places in New York City. People from New York City, musicians and performers from New York City, 
give high praises to the acoustics in that venue. So I highly recommend that you go and you listen to our friend Kristen sing and play the tuba. And let's go back to that tuba thing as a fellow tuba player. I yes, I know. I, I know. I used to play the tuba when I was in high school. Um, so why did you take up that instrument? Is it true that there is a tuba playing shortage in the world? <laughs> well, um, as of about three years ago, there was. I'm not sure. I haven't tapped the recent census. But um, a few years ago, the Ridgewood High School band directors sent a letter to all the students who were in the bands there. Um, and they said, listen, guys, we have two senior tuba players who are graduating. And after them, there is no one in the district that we know of who is studying tuba. And that's not good because you need to fill out the band, right? And um, especially marching band, we have an award-winning marching band at Ridgewood High School. And they were afraid we wouldn't have the low, low brass that really anchors everybody else. So they said, listen, we got a deal for you. If somebody wants to switch from whatever instrument you play to tuba, we will help you out. We'll get you the instruments. We'll get you a mouthpiece. We'll get you some lessons. We will totally hold your hand and, and take care of this. And initially, nobody took them up on their offer. And I am I know the, the band directors very well because of my musical dealings and especially Friends of Music. And I said, that's terrible. Nobody wants to play tuba. Well, heck. I'll play tuba. Like if I can do it, like anybody can, I'm a soprano, you know, I sing high. I I can barely read bass clef as it is. And tuba's in bass clef. I, I'm going to, I'm going to try this. Never played a wind instrument in my life uh, or brass or anything. I, I played violin when I was uh, younger. I tried to play piano, but you know, again, that left hand bass clef thing gave me a hard time. So I started taking lessons and uh, I really didn't think that, high school students would be inspired by my tuba playing. I used to post my my little lessons that, you know, on um on my social media and I called them YouTuba lessons. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so again, I didn't think that younger people would would watch these, but I thought maybe their parents would watch and say, oh, look what, you know, kooky thing Kristen's doing. Hey, they need tuba players. Or, you know, little Johnny, little Susie, why don't you try the tuba? Whatever. Yeah, I was just hoping. Uh, but anyway, so I don't know if anything ever happened there, but I did hear probably about six months later that there were four new tuba players at the high school. So I like to think that I had something to do with it, even if it's just that I threw my tuba energy out into the universe. But um, so now the high school is they're all set. Uh, but well, I, I am certain I am certain you are responsible for that. Absolutely. <laughs> but I just I kept, you know, I, and then I kind of got hooked and I'm like, well, I'm putting time and effort into it. So why don't I keep going? You know, and and I've just it's something new. It's fun. It's different. It keeps your brain working, you know, and I don't know what the end result will be. I certainly don't expect to be touring with any tuba groups soon or you know, maybe I'll join a community band at some point but I'm just doing it for the fun and the love of it and um my teacher Matt Billick is wonderful um you know he just knows exactly how to handle me we we chat a lot you know and kind of make it fun but we get down to business too and and we learn tuba and um it's it's great it it certainly is something completely different from anything I've ever done well I can tell you this is a very good teaser for people to come and see you in concert on Friday, December the 8th at eight o'clock at 
the West Side Presbyterian Church. I cannot wait to see you in your first concert. <laughs> and also, so let's go back to what's going uh, at the Women's Club. Um, you have been doing that event for many a year. How many years have you done that? I don't even know. It's probably more than 10 now. Wow. Yeah. It was um, suggested to me by a member um, years and years ago. She's since passed on, but she came up to me one year and said, Kristen, you're a singer. Why don't you do a, a Christmas concert? So I was like, <laughs> and that's exactly how she found it too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I did a concert. I do include some some Jewish music, some Hanukkah music. So I like to call it a holiday concert. Uh, and I I did that one year and, you know, I throw on a ball gown and, you know, like, like people do. And uh, I did a concert with a pianist and I loved it. And people seemed to really enjoy it. We had a nice lunch and I thought that was that. But then the next year, you know, I was asked to do it again. And then it just kept going. And, you know, I felt my first year I had thrown everything at them you know I took all my favorite Christmas music and Hanukkah music and I learned some new Hanukkah music and and I did this and so the next year and the year after that when they kept asking I thought oh no <laughs> used up all my chestnuts you know but uh so I <laughs> learned a lot of holiday music um and uh people sometimes you know send me songs and things and some some songs are very very old or you know no one's ever heard of them but they're beautiful uh so there's mm -hmm. a lot to be found you know and uh it's become sort of a tradition in my own mind um that you know i get all dressed up and i play with a, a very good friend of mine we went to music school together way back when and i've brought in uh, a friend of mine patty lazara who plays flute and teaches flute uh, in the area and uh i have guest um, guest artists. Sometimes I have other singers or I'll have, you know, another instrumentalist. Um, I've had Sherma Andrews, who is a local singer, like a jazz R&B singer. So that provides a really nice contrast. And I've had uh, Jen Green, who plays cello. And this year, my guest artist is Adelmo Guidarelli. Uh, he is a fairly new resident of Ridgewood. He is a classically trained baritone and he's going to join me. So that is going to be um, yeah, something a little different and lots of fun. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, that sounds great. And another thing that I love about this concert is the proceeds go to where do they go? So every year with this concert, we choose one of our charities that we support and they, for the most part, help women and children. Um, so it's a local charity. It's called North Porch Women and Infant Center. It is actually a, a series of churches um, it's run out of one office, but they um, they use several different churches in the area and they collect and buy diapers, formula, wipes, you know, critical supplies for people with very young children, um, infants and toddlers. And these are people who may not make it through the week without some of these supplies. So these are people who desperately, desperately need them. And they can go to their local church, you know, ask for a, a bundle and the, they're given out. And so North Porch, you know, fundraises and takes donations of the actual items themselves or money to go out and buy these items. And they certainly have connections with places where they can get things in bulk so they can make the most of the money um, that they get. And um, they're just, I mean, they're, their budget is a shoestring and they work with volunteers from the area. And there is a nun who runs, you know, the whole program and uh, they're great. I've um, known of them and been involved with them through the women's club for, oh gosh, probably 15, 16 years. So they do really, really great work. So yeah, we're happy That's to support. Beautiful. 
Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Thank you for doing that. Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm thrilled that you are involved with those wonderful holiday concerts and that your proceeds will be awarded to North Porch, which is in Newark. So Kristen, you talked about the Hanukkah music, and I know you're involved with something called the Infinite Lights Ensemble. It's a group that champions new Jewish music. Tell us more about that. Yes. So this grew somewhat out of the pandemic. I, uh, because of my work with the New Jersey Wind Symphony, I heard from one of the flute players there, and she got in touch with me back in 2018, maybe, and said, hey, Kristen, I'm, I'm working with a group of people. We're working on brand new compositions of Jewish music. You know, would you be interested in joining us? We need a singer. We need a soprano. And I said, sure, why not? Um, I am familiar with Jewish music because when I was a student and certainly my years in New York, uh, you know, being a struggling artist, I would sing at all kinds of of Catholic services and all kinds of Jewish services um, to help pay the rent. And so I'm very familiar with certainly the High Holy Days and um, other sacred services. And I know how to sing in Hebrew. So I said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll give it a try. So it turns out that Kenneth Cornet, who is an accomplished uh, pianist and organist and composer, he felt that Jewish music in services was kind of getting away, straying from its roots. And there was kind of a... Um, a migration to singing sort of more like folk music with a guitar. And he felt like we're losing the roots of the Jewish music that is so rich and wonderful. So he decided to write music for services himself. So he has written multiple pieces. Like you take one, you know, one part of a service, he's written maybe eight versions of that one particular piece of music. And he's very prolific. He just has all kinds of musical ideas. And the music definitely sounds like it's Jewish music, but kind of with a little twist to it. There's a little modernism added in there, maybe elements of jazz. Just really cool. I find it very interesting. It is, it can be very complicated, a little difficult to learn. So it was really a challenge for me. So there are nine of us in this group, a bunch of instrumentalists and me. And we started rehearsing at um, the synagogue where Ken worked. And we rehearsed and we thought, well, we're going to offer this to uh, other congregations, synagogues, you know, if they want us to come in and actually perform this music at a service, or if they want to just have a concert, or if we want to work at um, ethical culture centers, or anywhere where people want to learn about Jewish music, uh, you know, it, it can be a very academic study or a musical one or a spiritual one. So we started getting all these ideas, and we were ready, I am not kidding, we were ready to make a recording of about six or seven songs that Ken had written. And our recording date was March 20th of 20, uh, 2020. And we all know what happened. So we couldn't go record anywhere. We couldn't do anything. So it was a few months that we all just kind of, you know, were hanging out in our houses, licking our wounds. And then I had the idea to just meet and rehearse at my church because, which is in Ridgewood, it's a Unitarian society. And, uh, you know, we have a big room. There's no chairs, no pews or anything. It's just a wide open room. We use chairs when we have services, but uh, the chairs could be moved. So it's a wide open room. And we said, could we all come here and maybe rehearse? It's not being used at all. You know, nothing was happening there. So maybe we could get in and just, we can sit really far from each other, you know, all around the perimeter of the room and practice. And that's exactly what we did. And we came together about once a week and Ken kept writing music and would bring it to us. 
And I think for me, at least, that was something that I really looked forward to because it was one of the only times that I could get together with other people safely and and play and make music, you know. So we uh, increased our repertoire through that. And then when things loosened up and we were able to get back together, you know, in regular places again, we did. We made some recordings of this music and we've performed now just like we thought we would at um, synagogues and some churches and um ethical culture centers and at uh, some academic symposiums about music and spirituality. So it's been really cool. And it's been a neat way to learn new music for me, for everybody, really, and to delve into more of what the Jewish culture and religion is about. And I've made some new musical friends and it's been really cool. So yeah, I love it. Oh, wow. that That's really an impressive story. And especially right now, I love hearing, yeah. you know, what you're trying to do, given what is happening in the world right now. So I want to talk a little bit about some other interesting things that you have been involved in. I think it's kind of cool that you have performed with George Takai before too. Let us hear some more about that. <laughs> okay. It was the winter of 2003. I auditioned for a Christmas show with the Indianapolis Symphony. Uh, it's called, called Yuletide Celebration. They do it every year. They've been doing it for 30 something years. So I auditioned for this group. I was cast. And what it is, it's kind of like the Christmas Spectacular at Radio City without all the dancing. So there's a host who is usually a, well, is always a well-known person, but can be from any genre of music. So they've had uh, Sandy Patty before. They've had her many times, actually. Uh, this year they have Ben Crawford, who was the last Phantom and Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. They have all, you know, all kinds of singers from all, all genres of music. And they're the hosts for the evening. They sing certainly a lot of solos. They sing with the choir. Um, it's with the symphony orchestra. And they have uh, backup singers or a chorus of singers, about 16 people, and a whole host of dancers and then other children and actors, and they'll have, they've had aerial groups come in before, they've had tap dancers. I mean, it's a whole smorgasbord of, of, of a show, and it is pretty spectacular. The, uh, the music that they choose is just wonderful. They do great arrangements. They have a fantastic set. They have all set pieces that move, you know, and the best part is that the singers, especially the women, in between every number that we do, we change gowns. I mean, they are full-on ball gowns, gorgeous things, and we change between every single number. So for that one show, I think I had eight or nine gowns. And they're they're not just, oh, what a lovely little evening gown, little, you know, shift to throw on. These are full-on, you know, sequins and and crinolines and hair pieces and gloves and diva jewels. And it was really something else. So it is quite a show. So anyway, wow, I talk a lot, don't I? Um, <laughs> so I did that show in 2003 and the producers are, and it runs for the whole month, whole month of December. And they pack the house every single night. And the producers would take the whole cast out various nights, like once or twice a week, uh, to go out for drinks afterwards. And they were so generous. They would take us all out and be like, go crazy, help yourselves, you guys. So one night I was uh, talking with one of the producers and we had had a couple of cocktails and we started talking about Star Trek. I don't know how it came up, but we were talking about Star Trek. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm such a Trekkie. When I was eight years old, I fell in love with the original series and I watched every single one and I saw all the movies and I made all the little sets that you could make, uh, the kits that you would glue together and all that. And I 
made myself a Star Trek costume, like Lieutenant Uhura costume. And I, oh, I just, I loved it. And I would wear it to school and it wasn't even Halloween. I was such a geek. And the producer uh, that I was talking to said, so was I. I was such a huge Star Trek fan. And I did the same thing. And I made the models and I did this and that. And we were just laughing about that and thought how great it was. So cut to six months later, I was actually practicing in my living room one day and the mailman came and I went out and got the mail and there was a package in there. And it said it was from Indianapolis Symphony. So I opened it up. There was no note, no letter, nothing inside. The only thing was a Lieutenant Uhura action figure. <laughs> and that was it. So I was like, oh, hmm, that's weird. Okay. Well, I guess, you know, Ty just wanted me to have the action figure because he knew that I love Star Trek and I made myself a costume. A couple days later, I get a call from this producer and he says, did you get the action figure? I said, yes, I did. Thank you very much. And he said, well, I want you to know that we have a series of productions here that we arrange and they always have a theme and we create an entire show and put it in a box and we sell it to other symphonies across the country. So this is a, you know, a marketable thing that can be done all over the place many times and we cast it and then we send it off. So say that, uh, you know, Baltimore symphony wants to do a show with music from uh, Broadway classics from the 30s and 40s. We have a show for that. We hire the singers, you know, like four people. We have costumes for them. We costume them all. We have set pieces. We have all the music. We rent all the music so that Baltimore Symphony buys that show for X amount of dollars. On that certain weekend, everybody shows up, they get their music, they rehearse it, they get the conductor as well, everybody rehearses, they do two, three performances, and that's their show. They don't have to program that particular slot in their schedule. So that's the beauty of it is that, you know, Baltimore Symphony makes up their program for every year, but if they buy one of these shows in a box, they don't have to program it all. They don't have to do all the bits and pieces. They just pay for the show as it comes. So Indianapolis Symphony had a whole list of different shows that they had. They had like a Vegas show and they had um, Golden Oldies show and they have uh, Broadway's Leading Men show and they had just created a science fiction show. So they called it Sci-Fi Spectacular and it's music from science fiction movies and television shows. And they wanted to cast me in it as well as a tenor. And they said, we have all these songs for you. One of them is the theme from Star Trek and we are going to build you your own Star Trek uniform so you don't have to make one out of a dance leotard. <laughs> and that's exactly what they did. And I showed up one week in Indianapolis. We rehearsed the whole show with that symphony and then we performed it there. And then we took it on the road. Um, they would, you know, they put it up on their website and other symphonies bought it. And I performed it all over the country for 13 years. Uh, we didn't actually tour like, as you think of bus and truck tour going from city to city. It would just happen occasionally. Some years I would perform it twice a year. Other times it would be five, six times a year. So I would just go to Newark, get on a plane, go to wherever, you know, Seattle and work with the Seattle Symphony and over a weekend or five or six days or whatever, perform this show. And that was that. Now, in addition to me and the tenor and the orchestra, we also had a guest host who was George Takei. And he was the original Mr. Sulu. He, of course, since I'm such a, a 
Star Trek geek. He was one of my idols and I actually got to meet him and I just, I couldn't believe it. And I introduced myself and by saying, I, oh my God, I watched you the original Star Trek. Oh my gosh. And all the movies and all the things. And I just love what you do. And you know, now what you stand for. And, and he is as gracious and lovely and fun as you probably think he is from, you know, seeing him on TV or, on the internet or whatever. He is just um, a superb human being, very smart, very interested in everything. He's an interesting person and also an interested person. Um, and he would come on and come onto the show in the concert and talk about, you know, his life on Star Trek and, and what he does now. And then he would introduce me as Lieutenant Plumley beaming down from the Enterprise. You know, we'd have a little shtick on stage and I would come out in my uniform and then I would sing the Star Trek song with the orchestra playing behind me. And he would do, you know, the old space, the final frontier. It was just, I mean, it was fantastic. So I was kind of like living my dream as my little, you know, geeky eight-year-old sitting in front of the television watching Star Trek. This was like the epitome of, you know, <laughs> of that dream. And I, I can't believe I actually got paid to do that. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're, you're paying me to sing the Star Trek song, which by the way, has no words. And, and talk to George Takei on stage. And we would just improv. We just totally make stuff up. And he was just so much fun to do that with. And then the bonus was offstage. Age, we would go to museums together in whatever city we were in or go out to eat. And, you know, it was marvelous company. Uh, always so much fun to talk to. And it's amazing to be with somebody like that who is so recognizable so that people, you know, would always like look and point and like, oh my gosh, and come up to him tentatively and, oh, Mr. TK, I'm such a fan. Can I have a picture with you? You know, just to see what that kind of life is like was, was quite interesting, very different from the life that I live. Uh, but he was always so gracious to people and he would sign autographs after concerts and he would stay sometimes for an hour, sometimes for two hours signing autographs and talking to people. And his husband, Brad, is, always travels with him. He's his agent as well. And he would tell George, like, George, we got to move along. Like next person, we'll be here all night long if you keep talking like this to everybody. But he he's just a gem. He's a quality, quality human being. A legend. Yeah. That's really cool that you had that experience. Wow. Mm -hmm. And he still wishes me a happy birthday every year. <laughs> oh, that's the yeah. best. Very that nice. It's a really yeah. cool story. Yeah. I mean, I think you have had such a wonderful life this far. I mean, you've done so much. You've accomplished so much. And, you know, we're in Ridgewood. We're really lucky to have you. And the way that you give of your time and your talent to our community is so commendable. I really can't thank you enough. Tell us more about some of the things that the Ridge Arts Foundation is up to, the Ridgewood Friends of Music, things that you're involved in. Sure, absolutely. But before I go on, I just want to say, Jeannie Johnson, you're somebody who gives so much of yourself too. And your ideas, I've always looked up to you as, you know, the idea person. You just think of things and you're the great connector. You know, you think, well, I want to do this, and but then there's this person who does that and that person who does that. We'll put this all together and make this whole brand new fantastic thing that's never been made before because we actually combine these people and their ideas and their talent. And you are terrific with that. And I've I've always really admired that about you. So, you well, know. that's very kind. Thank, thank you. you so much. But I have to say, the things that I've worked on um, with you have been the most fun things ever. I mean, honestly, well, of course. we have a blast together. Yes, we have so much fun together. It we do have a good time. Yes, we do. Yes, we, we do. do. And there are lots of people in town, really. There's a great number of people in town who give so much and, you know, so generous and so thoughtful and really have each other's backs and are willing mm -hmm. to 
reach out and help. It's, it's a special place. Yeah. It, it really, really is a special place that we live in. And you're right. I mean, there are countless individuals in our community that just give everything that they have. Jordan, you're one of them. Um, you know, you're really involved in a lot of things too. So aren't we so lucky you guys? Golly. We are. We are. Yeah. yeah. So quickly about um, Ridgewood Arts Foundation. This is, um, we're primarily a grant and scholarship giving foundation, hence the name foundation. Uh, so yeah, we raise money to uh, support local artists and arts organizations in and around Ridgewood. So twice a year, we have a granting cycle and uh, we give out scholarships to students anywhere from middle school through high school and beyond in college, even beyond that. Uh, and it can be for anything. You know, you write to us and say, hey, I'm composing some music and I, I need money to, um, you know, help with this software for my computer. Or I am uh, like a visual artist and I'm working on this. I need supplies. I want to start working in oil paints and I need supp you know, supplies for that. Um, if it's an organization, hey, we are such and such orchestra and we have young artists who come work with us and we want to be able to uh, provide a stipend for them because they have to drive, a, you know, a long distance or they have to whatever or we need, um, you know, music to buy for them or something like that. So it really is kind of anything that you need financial support for. But we have helped out some high schools that are really you know, their music programs are just not what they could be because they just simply do not have the money. So it feels good to give them a grant for, you know, this certain program they want to start with their students or to take up a, a collection of musical instruments because theirs were damaged, you know, in a flood or something and they don't have the money to, you know, buy more. So that feels really good. Uh, I'll just jump in here really quickly and add that the Ridgewood Arts Foundation has given a grant not only to the uh, Ridgewood Schoolhouse Museum, thank you very mm -hmm. much for that, and uh, they also granted some funding to a muralist who will potentially be painting a glorious mural in the pedestrian tunnel. So y'all uh, just stay tuned yes. for that. It's going to take about 18 months, 18 to 24 months before we have the refurbishment of the pedestrian tunnel done, but there will be a glorious new mural painted down there thanks to the Ridgewood Arts Foundation. Uh, and then the Ridgewood Friends of Music is something that's very near and dear to me. When I was, oh gosh, elementary school, I went to school in Connecticut, just outside of Hartford. And I remember we would go on field trips and sometimes we'd go to see the Hartford Symphony do their final dress rehearsal of a concert. So we'd be able to sit in the audience and I'm, you know, other school children did as well, I'm sure. And I remember listening to those and specifically to a uh, young person's guide to the orchestra. And I remember just being taken with that, like, look at those instruments up there and, and listen to the sound. I mean, it was live sound, a whole orchestra. And I'm sitting five rows back in the audience and, you know, you can feel the music. You don't just listen to it. You actually feel it. And I thought that was so cool. Meanwhile, I was playing tic-tac-toe on the back of the seat in front of me because it's like velour, you know, so I was playing with the kid who's sitting next to me. But anyway, I really, it really made a big impression on me. And I look back now and I think it was probably some kind of organization like the Friends of Music that sponsored that, right? That organized this whole thing. So when I moved to Ridgewood, and I got involved with the Ridgewood Friends of Music. I would perform in their Friends in the Business concert, which John Lang, who was a teacher in the school district for many years, he organized that as a fundraiser for Friends of Music. He said, I'll get my musical friends together and, and you know, we'll perform and, and have it be a fundraiser. So I had sung in that for a little while. And 
um, then I, I joined the board and I started going to meetings. And at one point, Lisa Plass, who was the president at the time, said to me, you know, I, I think um, I think I'm going to step down. I was only supposed to do this for two years. It's been six. I, you know, I think I need to step down. I don't know what's going to happen with the Friends music. And I said, no. So I offered to be president and um, I never looked back. I, I think it's great. We are a group of parents who support the music programs and the music teachers in our public schools, K through 12. And we do that by fundraising at that concert that I mentioned, um, which is which happens every January this year. Uh, it will probably be January 26th, 2024 at GW at seven o'clock. I haven't gotten final confirmation yet, though. So I just want to just put that date, pencil it in. Yeah, we raise money to give back to uh, teachers for uh, special programming. If they need to buy or repair instruments, we also provide students with unique opportunities. So uh, coming up is the seventh and eighth grade honor band. This is a program whereby middle school students uh, seventh and eighth graders can audition and be accepted into kind of an honors band situation. So they work with private teachers in the area and with high school students, uh, students who are in the wind ensemble, they get together for uh, several rehearsals and the music that they play will be of a, a higher level than they're used to playing in middle school. And this is for the kids who really want to, you know, get their game on and really want to reach the next level. So they'll rehearse for a few times and then they present a concert and parents come and, you know, they're always amazed at like how good the kids sound. It's like, yeah, when you start to play to the level that you're striving for and you, you have people with you, you know, the high school band conductors and the high school students playing with you, it, it can really make a difference. And these students go back to their middle school uh, bands with that new knowledge that they've gained and with some inspiration and hopefully they'll inspire other kids, you know. So that is something that's coming up December 20th at the high school at the campus center and Friends of Music bankrolls that as well. We have a showcase every year for young musicians. It's for elementary and middle school students who may not have a chance to perform solo in public um, as much as the high school kids do. So we open it up, kids just send in a video audition and an application, and we provide them with the venue and uh, an accompanist if they need it. And uh, it's an invited audience. So their parents, their friends, whoever they want to invite, whoever they feel comfortable with, and they get to perform a solo. Some of these kids, it's their first one ever, you know, and um, it's such an exciting time, you know, for the, to see that and to see the difference between elementary school kids and the middle school kids, like how, how much further along the middle school kids can be and how the stakes seem higher. You know, the elementary school kids come in and they're like, yeah, I'm going to play. Whee! You know, they do that. The middle school kids come in, they have a little more self-consciousness, right? They're just older. They're a little more developed and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to play a solo. This, this has weight. It means something, you know, and it's, it's just cool to see. And it's great to have, have that, be able to give that opportunity to these kids. Uh, and then, yeah, we do other things. We sponsor other uh, events. We have a, a composition contest that closes actually Friday. Um, we ask students of uh, any age, really, through college, if they have an original piece of music that they've written to submit it to us, uh, the score, the written score, and um, a, uh, a recording. And then we give that to five impartial judges who are professional musicians. Um, some of them are professional composers as well. 
and they judge these. And then we have winners in each category. There's elementary, middle school, high school, and then post high school and or college. You know, it's a little monetary thing. And it's just, it kind of gives a nod and um, some, just a little inspiration to these kids who may not necessarily be into performing alone, they may like also like to create music. And so we want to focus on that too. So lots of things, you know, that we do to help inspire a love of music in everybody, all ages in school. And um, we have a great music department all across the district. And uh, we just want to, you know, support that in any way that we can. Oh, we also provide scholarships for graduating seniors, by the way. <laughs> There's that too. Oh my gosh, you are involved in so many things. I think you're also involved with the Scholarship Trust of the Women's Club as well, are you not? I'm not involved specifically with the Scholarship Trust, but I know that we have it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they do. I used to be part of the Women's Club and I was part of that too. But now that I'm a snowbird, now that I'm no longer in Ridgewood yes. full time, I had to yes. remove myself from all those wonderful things. But wow, yeah. there, you are involved in an awful lot of things, sister. It keeps me off the streets because there's always danger of me, you know, <laughs> getting into trouble. Um, uh, yeah, so the community school, uh, yes, just quickly, uh, the class is called Joy of Singing, although it's going to um, undergo a little bit of a change, just the title for the spring semester. But yes, I work with adults who love to sing, maybe have never really done it before, maybe have never studied voice or have never sung in a choir, or maybe they did sing in choir, maybe they do shows now, maybe they sing in a choir at church, and they just want more opportunity to do it, maybe to sing solo in front of other people, and maybe to get some critique some feedback, you know, and, and what can I do about this note? It feels weird. What do I do? Um, how do I sound? Is this a good song for me? So I work with people like that. We get together, we warm up a little bit. Um, we do some kind of centering exercises. I, I very much believe that it, when you're a singer, your voice is your instrument and it's inside your body. So your body is your instrument. So your, your body has to be running optimally to get the optimal sound out. And your brain is part of your body. And that part really has to be running optimal. So there's a whole lot of exercises that we do. And then uh, everybody gets up and sings and, you know, one at a time. And we have a wonderful live pianist who works with us. And then we talk about it and I, I give them pointers and tips and we try different things. And, um, you know, and I feel like it's just a real supportive group, a great community because everybody's doing it right. Everybody's getting up every week and singing one at a time. And, um, and, you know, the singing becomes better. The, the feeling about singing becomes better. Some, some students are now going out to open mics and uh, making recordings and it's, it's, it's really cool. And it's like, you know, you can sing even when you're an adult and it doesn't have to be, it's professional or it's nothing. It's no, there's an in-between, you know, sing because you love it because you enjoy it. You want to be with other people like you and find that community and, and, just sing. Oh my gosh. How fun. It's like Toastmasters only for singers, right? <laughs> so I think that's what it is. Yes. Do you do private lessons as well? I do. Yes. Yes. I do children and adults. I like to work with older kids just because physiologically they're a little more mature and their voice is a little more in place. So I would say ideally high school and on, but you know, a more advanced middle school student is fine and adults absolutely and I teach privately in my home and yeah somebody can contact me directly if they want to inquire absolutely. so that's good so people can find out more about you through your website kristenplumley.com is that correct yes yes that's k-r-i-s-t-e-n thank you and I will put that in the show notes so Kristen Thank yes. you so much for sharing all of your experiences and all of the things that you're involved with in our town. And again, on 
Jordan, I'm sure you agree with me. We want to thank you for giving so much of yourself, your time and your talent to our community. It is a gift to all of us. Oh, well, thank you. It is my pleasure. I I love it. I love what I do. I, I, I got to say, I um, yeah, I, I don't have any holes in my life, you know. Um, that's I'm awesome. Very fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I've got a very supportive family, which, you know, is the key to everything. Yep. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right, Kristen. Well, listen, have a wonderful holiday season and enjoy your concerts. I hope everyone goes out. Everyone who's listening to this, I hope everyone. Yeah, me too. Um, and, yes. I can't <laughs> wait. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye.